Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. All right, welcome to episode five of Grow Bud Yourself. Want to welcome you guys to the show. This is an incredible episode five. We've got uh, John from Sweet Leaf Nutrients coming on to announce the winner of the Grow Tank giveaway. Uh, the interview is with Nima from Cannabiotics, an amazing award-winning uh, cultivation facility and extraction facility in the West Coast. Uh, and the cultivation segment is about cloning, uh, talking about successfully rooting cuttings. And some questions and answers, uh, questions from you guys, answers from me. And episode five is brought to you by Excelsior Extracts. They make an amazing relief rub. It's a THC-infused topical pain cream, uh, and this stuff really works on pain. So check them out on Instagram, at Excelsior Extracts, and check out their relief rub, pain relief topical cream. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show, and we will be back with more of Grow Bud Yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number five of Grow Bud Yourself. As always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Win Strong for the song. And thank you to you, Mike. And thank you to you, Dan. And thank you to all of you for joining us for episode five. Very exciting. We sh- We've made it to a fifth episode. We should introduce ourselves, too, because that's something I think we don't do. We don't. All right. I am Danny Danko. Dan, you know, <laughs> and I'm the author of the official High Times Field Guide to Marijuana Strains and Cannabis, A Beginner's Guide to Growing Marijuana, as well as the co-host of Grow Bud Yourself with my co-host, Mike. Mike, introduce hey, I'm yourself. Mike. Hi, I'm Mike. God, you can tell that we don't do this because we're, we're really bad at it. Um, <laughs> but people but should yeah. know. Yes. You know, people should. they're brand new to the show. I want them to know who we are, what we do, mm-hmm. and what we do is try to teach people how to grow their own cannabis, right? That's right. Yeah, we do that. And, you know, we, we have a really great show. Uh, some great guests drop by and, of course, some great uh, grow information as always. But first, um, people who listen to this show might remember we were touting this, um, this grow box giveaway, right? This was kind of a, a really big deal. We were, we were promoting it. And now... It's a whole tent yeah. uh, kit, you know, with the lights and the, and the tent and the fans and the everything. From Sweetleaf. Yeah. From Sweetleaf. So um, we were able to to get uh, John from Sweetleaf to come on the show and, and actually announce who was going to win this thing, right? That's right. My old buddy, John Regan from Sweetleaf. So let's uh, talk to John and find out who the lucky winner is of this amazing grow tent giveaway. All right, we are with uh, the CEO of Sweetleaf Nutrients, John Regan. John, what's welcome. up? What's going happening? on, Danny and Mike? <laughs> uh, full disclosure: I've known John for like thirty something plus years. We've been friends for forever, and uh, yeah, and and then you know you showed interest in getting into cannabis, the cannabis world, and uh, spent a long time de- developing a brand of nutrients, which. Uh, I endorse wholeheartedly and I think is amazing. Um, and it's Sweetleaf, S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F, 
uh, plant nutrients and people can check it out at sweetleaf.com of course. And, uh, yeah, t- tell me a little bit about, um, you know, the sweet leaf brand of nutrients and, and what that entails. Yeah. Thanks Danny and Mike. Um, psyched to be on the show. Um, and congratulations on the new podcast, man. This, this is awesome. But yeah, so sweet leaf, um, about four years ago, I decided to create the cleanest bottled nutrient I could produce. Um, you know, because an environmentalist and also a capitalist can sometimes have conflicting goals. So I wanted to find something in the middle that can produce the results that everyone's expecting out of a bottle of nutrient at the same time being sensitive uh, about the environment. And so I think we've created something really special. It works in soil and soilless. Um, it's not formulated for DWC yet, um, but we have some news on that coming up soon. Um, but we are really proud of it. And um, But it's New England made and, and, and based out of that, uh, that area, like it's produced in the U.S. in Maine? Yeah, so it's, it's USA made, um, sourced in the U.S. as well. Um, and it's produced in uh, Portland, Maine. And now there's more uh, gardening supplies available on the site than just uh, the, you know, the fertilizers and the amendments. Um, I, I know you have uh, the duffels and, and messenger bags and things like that. Yeah. A- and grow tents, right? Yeah, yeah. We decided, <laughs> you know, we've always, if, if you remember, Danny, we've always wanted a uh, partnership with the tent grower, right? That's something that you and I have in common, um, is, is really focusing on the home grower, you know, um, especially the tent grower. And it's the best, as you agree too, it's the best way to start. It's almost the best way to continue your journey through growing at your house. You know, you can control the environment. Um, you, you can, uh, have really, uh, you can put all your attention into that tent, into, into the detail, um, and we feel that by adding grow tents to our uh, product offerings, it's just a natural um, progression into the grow supply world. So grow tents, um, duct fans, uh, LED lighting, obviously nutrients. Right. Um, it's like a full kit, basically, for people to get started. Everything they need except maybe the seeds or the clones and, and that sort of thing. So. It's really amazing, and you're you just gave away a full grow tent kit, right? And we're going to announce the winner here on the show. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. We have Sir Joshua Parker from Virginia Beach. He won um, our first grow tent contest. That's awesome. Um, so congrats to you, buddy. Congrats, um, Josh Parker. Right. Uh, enjoy the tent. You know, set it up, get it going, get growing, and get the Danny book. Right, right. You're going to need a copy of my book as well. 100%. 100%. You know, that's, oh, that's something we should have. Right, we can include next that with one, the tents. Next one, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So, so, so we're going to do a grow tent giveaway, I hope, every month and a half or so. Right. So just keep the spirit going and keep the vibe going. Um, so in case you're not Josh Parker and you didn't win the tent, but you want to purchase the tent and some nutrients and stuff, uh, you can go to sweetleaf.com, S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com, right? And now we have a code 
right? If you use Danko the- 15 code, everybody. Danko 15 gets you 15% off of uh, the products on the site, yep. which is awesome. And you have amazing customer service, by the way, too. Every, shout every, out to Megan. <laughs> shout out to Megan. Every time I log on, she's there. How can I help? Live what chat, you, baby. Boom, live chat. And uh, I think it's awesome. And like I said, uh, you know, I'm proud to support especially a nutrient brand that doesn't shove nutrients down growers throats. And so what I love about, you know, the sweet leaf line of newts is that, you know, your recommendations are on point with what the cannabis plant needs, not, not too much, but just what it needs perfectly. And yeah, let people know, I guess, you know, social media wise and, uh, you know, how they can get in touch with sweet leaf plant nutrients. Sure. So uh, as Danny mentioned, uh, sweetleaf.com, S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. Our Instagram is sweetleafnutrients. Our Twitter is sweetleaf. And our Facebook is sweetleaforganics. Awesome. Um, So yeah, thanks for having me on the show, you guys. Well, thank you, John. Thanks to Sweetleaf Nutrients for supporting Grow Bud Yourself. And keep up the great work. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Mike. Grow Bud Yourself. Right. Interesting stuff from John at Sweetleaf. And congratulations to the winner of the Grow Tent giveaway. Uh, yeah. That's a big one. It's a really I good know. gift. Yeah. Oh, it's a very it's cool. a gift that keeps on giving, right? Indeed. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, we have a really great interview uh, with Nima from Cannabiotics coming up. And uh, one of the things that I think is really cool about this show is that uh, the growers who come on and the cannabis industry professionals share with us their, their origin stories. And kind of give our listeners an idea of, first of all, how they kind of fell in love with cannabis to begin with, and then how they ended up um, working in the industry. And it's really cool. And Nima shares his story. And it's obviously a great story. Cannabiotics is a great success. Um, it's, it's, all, it's all very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's vital information to understand, you know, where this person, uh, how they entered into, you know, from just being a cannabis lover to part of the business and industry. And I mean, those guys, they've been on the radar, uh, Nima and JB since uh, even before Cannabiotics, when they were with Gold Coast, uh, you know, growing the flowers that were winning concentrate awards. So you knew they had the fire. And then uh, once they came with Cannabiotics, they were just immediately starting to win award after award uh, in, in, you know, high times cannabis cups, but also multiple other uh, events as well. And I think it is important to understand uh, where they came from, to understand where they are, because, you know, how they fell in love with the plant also teaches you how they treat the plant. I mean, they grow naturally, sustainably, uh, PGR free, which we'll discuss uh, later, but it's, it's, it's the respect for the plant that really gives back to you ultimately in the end. And I think that's a recurring theme for us. You know, it's like, love the plant and it'll love you back. Yeah. I mean, it, it, obviously it is a cultivation show and there's great cultivation information, but, um, you know, Dan and I have been, um, collecting these stories for almost 10 years now. And it, it's actually, it's, I, I think it's one of the more impressive things about the show that, that there aren't a lot of places where you can find this information. If you, if you love cannabis the way that uh, we do and our audience does, it's, um, it's vital information as Dan said. So what do you say we, we jump into this great interview? All right, let's do it. Uh, coming up, uh, our interview with Nima from Cannabiotics. 
All right, and we are back, and we have a amazing special guest this week. We have Nima from the award-winning uh, Cannabiotics, operating out of California and Nevada, expert cultivators uh, who grow incredible cannabis, and we're going to talk all about how that's accomplished. So welcome, Nima, to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. It's, uh, it's an Appreciate honor to be it. on board. Thanks. So... Um, take us back, you know, before cannabiotics, uh, to, you know, a young Nima growing up, um, how did, how did you first sort of connect with cannabis and, and, and get involved, uh, in, you know, smoking it and and then cultivating it? Yeah. So, um, you know, basically I was born and raised in Santa Monica and so growing up, you know, by the beach, skateboarding, surfing, skimboarding, all that stuff was really kind of like integrated into our culture. Um, And so growing up in middle school and in elementary school, I had taken up skating. And, you know, obviously, when I got to high school, a lot of my older buddies that uh, skated and surfed were starting to get into selling and growing pot, small scale, you know, bedroom here, closet there, that kind of thing. And so um, I got into smoking pot um, when I was 14. And then I kind of got into selling it before I started growing it because uh, originally I was trying to sell it just to have my own stash, you know, for free. Um, Kind of snowballed from there and as I kind of got more and more into selling it um, when I went to college I started you know sourcing stuff directly from growers not just locally but also like up in Northern California Um, and that's kind of when I started visiting outdoor farms and people that had kind of like you know, pole barns and stuff like that on property where they were growing, you know, 40, 60 lights. Um, And, you know, once kind of my distribution business had taken off, um, I got to a point where I really started thinking about, hey, like, uh, maybe I should start doing this myself locally and stop having to, like, drive six, seven hours to look at packs and things like that. Um, It was around that time that uh, an older frat brother of mine um, called me actually and said, hey, you know, this guy had had like a garage grow living down in Orange County. Um, And he was like, you know, I got he had a couple plants going, nothing crazy. Honestly, it was gross to look at. Then he calls me like, you know, one day and he's like, hey, you got to come by and check out my garage. And I'm like thinking in my head, like, why? I head over to his house and the whole thing is like pimped out, like almost on some like pimp my grow room type shit. Um, and so he goes, yeah, this this cat I go to school with, his cousin, this guy, Jeff, um, he came over here and kind of outfitted this whole garage, etc. At this point, um, I'm like 
20 years old and like just wrapped up my junior year in college. Um, so I meet what ends up being kind of like my lifelong business partner. I meet up with Jeff and, uh, you know, from there, Jeff and I, you know, at that time, Jeff had just gotten out of, uh, extended vacation, let's call it. Um, (laughs) and so, uh, you know, we kind of gravitated and kind of got along right away. And I was like, yo, you know, I want to get, these grow operations going and I kind of let Jeff into kind of my distro business and what I had going on. And he was like, well, you know, I don't feel comfortable doing them in LA, but we can definitely get this going somewhere in Northern California. And, uh, you know, we started setting up spots in Santa Cruz, etc. I started learning from Jeff Um, we had like a good system going on. We were setting these things up. We were picking up stuff. We were selling our own stuff, all that stuff. And then, um, circa around, I want to say 2009 for about four years later, um, we got our first warehouse in LA. And at this point, we had, you know, we had graduated to have garage grows in Santa Cruz. I had started some up also that were under my wing here in LA. And then once we kind of got that first warehouse, um, it kind of all snowballed into, you know, another warehouse and then a 50 acre farm and stuff like that. And um, this was kind of during the 215 days when we were getting these warehouses with collective agreements with pre-ICOs. So um, that kind of allowed us to grow as caregivers for these patient bases at these pre-ICOs. And it was really through just experience and getting that solid foundation um, from my best friend that I was able to then build upon that as we kind of scaled up to bigger and bigger spots together commercially. Right. So, and so by 2013, you guys are winning cannabis cups and awards, um, for your flowers and concentrates. Um, tell me a little bit about like that experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you remember, Danny, uh, Jeff and I had actually partnered up, um, with some other peers of ours in the industry, um, with Gold Coast Collection and Gold Coast Extracts. And essentially, that all came about because we had those, our partners had a dispensary, and I had approached them about, hey, let me set up a grow in the back of your guys' dispensary. Um, We'll grow for your patient base, that kind of thing. And then it kind of just escalated from there into, hey, you know, let's start this brand. I was already thinking about doing Gold Coast Collection as like me and Jeff's flower brand. Um, And then from there, they were like, well, we do the extraction stuff. Why don't we start these brands, Gold Coast Collection, Gold Coast Extracts, and we start entering this cannabis test. Now, at the time, Jeff and I were on some like, you know, X-Files, Zero Dark Thirty, 
how can we enter a cup? Everybody will know who we are type shit. And I think that when we entered that first cup, um, I actually think it was the LA Cannabis Cup where the Super Silver Haze took second place or it, yes, yeah, like category. category. It was either that way or the other way. One of them came first. It was either that LA Cup or it was the 2013 Amsterdam Cup where we won for Best Indica Flower um, with actually the second batch of White Walker OG I grew out of that back of the dispensary kind of location. Um, And so, uh, you know, from there, we kind of developed, you know, obviously an appreciation for the events and kind of the sharing and conglomeration and collabs that kind of came out of it. Um, but more so just like getting those competitive juices flowing, you know, we, we had never had, um, kind of the gusto and, uh, the lack of paranoia to start really entering competitions over and over and over again. And I think, um, obviously once we tested, you know, we tasted victory in that first kind of couple events that really got our whole team jazzed and we started going. Um, and then, you know, obviously, uh, with them more focused on extraction and us more focused on cultivation, um, we decided that we had kind of differences when it came to the long-term vision and we decided to go our separate ways after not that much time together at the end of 2014. And that's when Jeff and I started Cannabiotics. Um, and then we, you know, we really hit the ground running there. We were in a place where we were like, okay, well, you know, we just started up and literally less than two years later left Gold Coast. Like, let's get on some catch-up type stuff. So we just started, you know, getting more warehouses, getting involved with the legal aspect of things and kind of putting together a business plan and this and that and going after the Las Vegas operation, which would end up being our first legal operation. Um, And at the same time, entering Cannabis Cup after Cannabis Cup after Cannabis Cup, I think in 2015, we ended up racking like nine different awards and we carried that same momentum into 2016 and 2017. Um, That same time kind of coincided with us starting to get our breeding projects going. Um, You know, we were fortunate to have such a strong arsenal and foundation of strains even some of which like people hadn't seen since like the seventies and eighties that Jeff had got passed down to him from guys that kind of showed him the game, you know, and had been growing these strains for a solid 10 and 15 years. Um, So we kind of started thinking, you know, we got all these old school heirlooms and all these kind of fire OGs and, you know, things like all these exotic, cut only strains, like let's start breeding them together to create our own in-house exclusives. Um, And so 
that kind of gave birth to new flavors that people hadn't seen before. And we were also entering competitions and selling product of the type of strains that people had not, you know, seen around the block for a long time, like our orange crush, you know, um, another strain that comes to mind is our, you know, at that time it was very popular, but our cut of the thin mint cookies. Um, so, you know, I think that once we started getting that going, we were building a name for ourselves as we were also building out our ability to get our product out there more and more and more. And, you know, obviously expanding over multiple states with a bigger footprint, etc. And, uh, you know, the kind of momentum just gained from there and, and the rest of it is really history. Now, you mentioned, you know, the genetic library that you have, but when you're breeding, there's so much to pheno hunting and figuring out which, you know, which ones are keepers and which ones aren't. So talk a little bit about that. Um, first off, you want to start out with a good sample size. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we always do pheno hunts of at least 150 seeds. Essentially, you know, you're trying to get a wide um, representation of all the combinations of the mom and papa strain involved that gave you the seeds in the breed. So, um, with that said, uh, we would always start out with about 150 and then organization is absolutely key. Um, you know, once you veg them out, we would take clones off of them. We would label everything. Then we would put those plants in the flower. And then step one is sifting out and taking out the males and the hermaphrodites. And maybe you keep a male here and there that you assess on several factors um, and you think it's going to be a solid stud for future breed routes. Um, once you've narrowed it down to the females, um, then you start kind of looking at a number of different things. Um, obviously, uh, turf profile is key. Um, also, kind of plant vigor and structure is also key. Um, and then, you know, maturity time, uniqueness of the flower aesthetically, how it looks, um, like we said, how it smells. And then lastly, you got to let it dry and do the smoke test because I've seen plenty of strains that smell and look like the one when they're growing on the vine and then they dry up and you taste the flower and you test it out. And it's not nearly as pungent, etc., as it was in its live flower form. Um, and, you know, I think that obviously there's combinations that work and result in just a lot of stunners. And there's combinations that will surprise you and not result in as much kind of, you know, gems or what you were looking for as you had hoped, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd say obviously experience is the best teacher, you know? So once you get into breeding, 
you kind of through experience you you figure out what combinations have a better chance if you mix a fruity strain with kind of like a hazy cheesy type variety you you do some pheno hunts from those combos they're they're not producing you as much of the unique winners that you're looking for then you cross a fruity strain with more of that cookie kind of candy purple type or bakery doughy type variety and then you get a bunch of winners then you kind of start knowing in your head what kind of males and females are worthwhile to mix together awesome and um one of the things that i've noticed you know having visited a ton of like large grow operations is that you guys have a an emphasis on sustainability and natural growing and even growing clean cannabis, which I think is very important, particularly PGR-free. And a lot of our listeners don't really understand what PGRs are um, and what they do to the plant and and whether people should be consuming them at all, uh, because I think they're really meant for uh, things like poinsettias and things like that, that are, you know, ornamentals and not something that you consume. So can you just explain... A little bit about, um, you know, cannabiotics, emphasis on sustainability, uh, natural cannabis, and, and PGR-free. Yes, definitely. Um, so PGRs, like you said, they're plant growth regulators. Um, they're hormonal additives that actually trick the plant into thinking that it's in a different part of its life cycle early on. Um, and that will actually lead you to get bigger buds at an early onset in development than they should typically be and will ultimately lead to fatter yields. And that's kind of the motive of what why people use them. Um, but anybody that has been growing for a while and has knowledge about what a real connoisseur-grade flower should look like um, – will be able to easily tell that uh, any strain grown with PGRs will actually be less potent, less flavorful, more prone to bud rot, etc. And that's one of the reasons why we never use PGRs is because we felt like it was a clear kind of distinction in a quality drop-off when we were looking at harvests of growers that were trying them out or using them regularly. Um, Another thing that people started finding out later on were that these PGRs um, actually would still stay within the flowers. And um, upon being smoked, they would actually have toxic and carcinogenic um, effects, you know, And so um, with that said, we've always kind of steered away from PGRs. And when it entered an era where people were really using them to kind of get bigger yields, we kind of hung our hat on educating people about, hey, don't be deceived. You guys are not actually getting, although the bud looks really big and everybody likes big buds, Um, you can still get very solid gemmed out buds that are way stickier, cleaner, and actually will be more potent 
and flavorful than a PGR type bud of the same strain. Um, another thing that we've kind of always kept at the forefront of our minds and it's something that, you know, we did it back in the day just to be low key and now we've integrated it on our large scale grows is, um, you know, diminishing our resource draw by kind of integrating and putting into play um, things that essentially, you know, help us kind of with less of a footprint. Um, one of those things is recycling our water supply. So um, we actually get, and I saw in the chat there was a question about this. So we actually get about 65% of the water supply we use to feed our plants from our atmosphere. And the way we do that is the condensate produced from our dehumidifiers and our air conditioners, we collect in a silo, kind of like a rain storage tank. And then we run that through a reclaimed water filtration system that then sends it into our sweet water storage tanks, which we draw on to make the nutrient mixes to feed our plants. Um, and when it comes to taking distilled condensate water and using it for plants, the one thing that you have to be aware of is people are always like, well, I don't understand. Like I'm testing the water with my pH PPM probe and it's at zero parts per million. And that's true. But what you're more worried about is bacteria and other microtoxins and stuff that could be present in your water that's not showing up on your pH PPM probe. Bacteria, pathogens. That's why, you know, in order to make this work, you have to have at least some sort of filtration system that specializes in removing those things. And it's always good to consistently test your condensate water that's coming off of your dehumidifiers and your ACs into your silo tank. Take water samples, test them consistently, test them after they come out of your filtration system. Make sure that you're always you know, drawing from a clean source of water that's safe for your plants. Right. Awesome. And what about like processing? How, how do you guys feel about, um, you know, machines for trimming and we're vehemently uh, opposed yeah. to it. Um, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I think that what's going on here is a revolution that people really thought was bringing us forward in the cannabis industry. But really, it was kind of going a little bit backwards in a way. And I think the wool is starting to come off people's eyes. And they're realizing that a lot of these Brad and Chad brands out there where the suits are running the show and the sole emphasis is on cost of goods sold is leading to a shit product that no consumer will want to consume long term. Um, and I think that machines and automation do have a place, but you know, it just depends on what kind of product you're trying to put forward. Um, for our product, um, anything but hand trimming, uh, would not work. So, um, we don't use machines to sort our buds. 
We don't use machines to trim our buds. Our whole philosophy is trichome preservation. Any sort of agitation or any sort of, you know, movement, a rustling of buds. I mean, we literally, we don't even let our trimmers touch the buds when they're manicuring them. We use the revolve the branch technique, right? So that's that's kind of another thing that we always tell people is when you buy an aphid antibiotics, it's going to have kind of like that untouched gem type look with those big glassy crystals, not those matted on crystals. Um, and the way we achieve that is by, you know, training up trim crews in our very specific manicuring technique. And I think that getting rid of that, no matter what the cost or expense is, especially at the beginning when you're training this big crew up, um, is not even possible because I think that that leads to the maximum amount of trichomes and it also leads to a presentation of the flower that you're just not going to achieve um, from using machine trimming. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nima. Let people know where they can follow you guys on uh, social media and the web and maybe even where they can find uh, Cannabiotics products. I would definitely recommend people start out and follow us on IG. Our homepage is at Cannabiotics, C-A-N-N-A-B-I-O-T-I-X. And then to find out even more about all the new fresh stuff we got going on, new strains, all that stuff, definitely check out our website, www.cannabiotics.com, and sign up for our email newsletter. And the link for that will be on our website. And we send blasts all the time about new stuff we have coming online, new products, new strains, as well as the new shops that are carrying our product on a weekly basis. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nima. And uh, give our best to Jeff, AKA JB. Um, Most definitely. And thank you so much for coming on to grow bud yourself. Uh, and we will be back with more right after this. All right. Welcome back. And we are in the cultivation segment at this point, right, Mike? We are indeed, and we thank uh, Nima. That was a really cool interview. We appreciate him coming on the show. Yeah, definitely try some cannabiotics products uh, when you're in California or Nevada, or hopefully when they expand to more states. <laughs> so yes, this is the cultivation section, uh, but it is uh, the off part of the fortnight, so right. we don't have a strain to talk about. But we do have some great grow information to uh, to provide. So what are you uh, going to tell everybody about? Uh, this week, I would like to talk about cloning, right? So last week, we talked about mother plants and why they're important uh, and, and how to get yourself a mother plant. And now this week, I want to talk about what you're going to do with the mother plant. I mean, it's there. It's in its vegetative stage. It's healthy. And now it's time to take clones. But first, you got to wonder, uh, why clone when you can grow from seeds? Uh, and it's a good question. And there's a few benefits of growing from clones uh, instead of seeds, which includes uniform growth. Very important. If you're growing indoors, you want all the plants to behave uh, very similarly um, to have that level canopy. Um, guaranteed female plants, also important if you don't want to waste time 
growing out male plants and then sexing them and then just basically getting rid of them and, and wasting time, energy, water, plant food, everything else. Um, and then just time saved in general, uh, waiting for seedlings to sprout and mature. Uh, so now I'm going to teach you how to take clones from those mother plants. And uh, first you need to assemble all the things that you need in advance because you don't want to be like scrambling for these things. Cloning is a process that has to happen, you know, fairly urgently. Once you cut a piece off of a plant, um, you need to act quickly to get that into your medium. Uh, and so that there's no air bubble that forms or any kind of issue with that cut end. Okay. Because really what you're doing is cutting a piece of off of a plant and then inducing that piece of the plant to grow roots from that cut end. Um, and it's not easy, but if you do follow, you know, simple rules, which is you want high heat and high humidity. I don't mean heat, but you don't want, you know, room temperature. You want like 80 degree kind of temperatures and you want like 70% or so humidity within the space. So that's why I usually recommend, um, a propagation tray, uh, and a clear plastic dome. I mean, this is the easiest way. Um, it's cheap, you know, super cheap. You put that under a fluorescent light or an LED light, uh, and you can root clones really easily under there. I also recommend using a heat mat underneath the tray. Uh, and these you can get, you know, these are like seedling heat mats. People use them for different purposes. Uh, but basically rather than cooking, you know, underneath, it just warms it just enough, uh, to give you that nice warmth and humidity in the tray. Uh, you also want to assemble a sharp, non-serrated blade. Uh, I like razor blades for this. Um, you know, they're sharp. They work well. Um, they, you know, oh, tend to not contaminate anything. Um, and then whatever the medium is. Uh, you can use soilless mix. You can use rock wool. You can use, um, you know, even jiffy plugs. Um, but whatever it is, it has to, you know, maintain moisture and be warm enough um, for that cut end to have roots. You also need a rooting hormone, and this usually comes in gel or powder form. Uh, I've had success with both gel and powder. For some reason, I kind of lean towards the powder, um, probably just because I've had more success with it. But, um, you know, a mild nutrient solution also, you know, pH balanced to about 6.0 somewhere between 6.0 and 6.5 is good, but mild, you know, like quarter strength of anything that's recommended. Um, and a thermometer and hydrometer, hygrometer. So uh, you're ready to take the cutting. And now um, you want to choose a growing shoot. Uh, typically, I recommend at least three sets of leaves uh, and make the cut at a 45 degree angle just below a node. And the node is a place where like the leaf meets the stem right? So you make the cut with your sharp non-serrated blade. Uh, you do so at about a 45 degree angle. This ensures that there's plenty of, you know, that cut end uh, rooting area. Um, you trim, trim the leaf off of that node that's right above the cut too, because that's just going to get in the way. And you're going to get roots that come out of that cut piece as well. Uh, then immediately dip that cut end uh, about an inch or so deep into your rooting hormone and then get it right into your growing medium. I use chopsticks a lot for this because, you know, it's about, you know, a little thicker 
then you know the size of the stem gets that hole built in because you don't want to push the stem in or anything you just want to have it gently placed into the medium push the medium around so that it makes contact with the cut end of the stem and that moisture is right there at you know cut end level of your stem and uh put it in under that you know uh under the plastic dome get it under the light and you can do i mean those trays typically i think they do 64 cuttings and that's way more than you're going to need typically in a grow tent but for whatever you need you just you know take as many cuts as you need take a few more than you need to be honest because there's going to be a few duds very rarely do you get a hundred percent success rate uh when cloning even when all the factors are perfect just for whatever reason um you know you can count on you know if you get 90 95 percent, that's pretty damn good so um cut a few more clones than you need all it's going to do is create a bushier mother plant with more clones in the future um within about eight days um you should see white roots actually poking out of the bottom of your growing medium. Uh, you want to replace if, if it gets you know dry. You don't want that. You want to replace that medium, uh, m- the moisture in your medium, uh, and keep it pretty constantly moist, not saturated and soaking wet with a pool of water in it, but uh, but moist enough that like there's always. A little bit of uh, condensation on the you know the plastic tray so within five six days you should be able to lightly sort of tug on the end of your cut and feel that like there's roots popping out I don't recommend that because that can damage the roots but at least you have an idea from one cut or whatever okay it's starting to the roots are starting to come out and starting to set and then once you see them coming out of the bottom of the container they're ready to go you could put them into the larger containers into the grow medium of your choice, water them in, and now you're basically in the vegetative stage of growth. As soon as you start seeing fresh new um, shoots coming forth from that cutting, you know, you're vegging that plant and, you know, the clock is ticking on your veg cycle at that point. Uh, And again, you know, the only one of the drawbacks to clones is that if there is something pandemic, uh, some kind of pathogen or something, it can be passed from clone to clone as well. So, you know, be, be vigilant about, you know, maintaining, um, sterility with your, uh, razor blade that comes into contact with that, you know, fleshy cut end of the cutting. And, uh, yeah, basically once you're ready to transplant, you're ready to go. And the cut cutting is going to behave exactly genetically as its mother plant was. And you're going to have an even canopy and all those clones will be the same height and, you know, act in the same way which is very important in indoor grows it's, it's how you grow efficiently so there's lots of benefits uh like i said to cloning and that's really you know the important things to remember are moisture and you know basically that's humidity and uh warmth you want it to be about 80 you know and room temperature typically is about 70 so you'll 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 see the rate of rooting success increase greatly with just those 10 degrees difference and again, you can miss the plants as well. I highly recommend um, once or twice a day just getting in there with a spray bottle and misting those, um, you know, cuttings just to keep moisture in, in the air and keep them happy. Because as long as they're happy and alive, eventually roots will pop out and you will have healthy plants ready to go. 
All right. So there you go. That's some information on cloning. And hopefully that helps you as uh, we go through all these stages that are very important to uh, to growing cannabis. So what do you say we take some uh, questions from listeners and help them grow great cannabis? Sounds great. Great. All right. So um, if you have a question, you could reach us by email. We are info at growbudyourself.com. You could also get us on uh, social media through Patreon. Uh, please do send us your question and uh, Dan will answer it on Grow Bud Yourself. So let's get started. This question actually comes from our Patreon page and nice. it's from uh, Carolyn. Carolyn writes, last year was my first time growing. I dove deep and listened to all your free weed episodes. Here's a question I don't think anyone has asked. Uh, how come my plants look almost nothing like the pictures I see online? Um, I grew some outdoors and uh, some in a hoop house. Are the crazy colors trichomes the result of a controlled indoor grow? So what do you think, Dan? Uh, reality is not living up to what she sees on uh, online. Right. Well, there's a number of things that could be contributing to that. I mean, obviously, you know, when you have a professional photographer shoot uh, a cannabis flower in a controlled environment with proper lighting and all of that, you're going to get, you know, something you're not going to see if you just take a picture of that with your phone. Um, you're just going to have a higher quality of, you know, focus and uh, resolution and all of that. So you're going to see more colors. You're going to see more trichomes. You're going to see it's just going to look prettier uh, when it's in a professional setting. But um, another thing that you mentioned, you know, indoor cannabis tends to look prettier in that way too it's less leafy than outdoor you know that's pretty standard um it hasn't had to succumb to the elements of wind and rain and things like that um that you have uh with outdoor plants and even sometimes with greenhouse plants um but again you know it's also treated properly it's fed properly it's taken care of um and so you know it's not as important that it look pretty as that it tastes amazing and smoke amazing and feel amazing. Uh, but you, you can get something real pretty, um, just by putting, you know, the extra effort in. And ultimately, if you just keep growing, you will find that you are growing the stuff that you see in, you know, magazines or online. It's really just a matter of keeping up with, you know, practice and, and, um, you know, making sure the plant has, all the proper things like links in a chain, you know, the amount of light that it needs, the amount of food that it needs, the amount of care that it needs, all of those things, um, when they all work together are going to result in something really pretty. And so you will find eventually that you'll have amazing looking pot. All right. Yes. Uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Thank you, Carolyn. We appreciate the question. Uh, let's move on to Ainsley who writes, uh, hi guys, love the show. I have a question about growing outside. I have three brand new auto plants in five gallon buckets on my deck outside, which gets morning sun about seven to noon. If I move them to my yard around midday, I can get them about 10 to 11 hours of direct sun in total a day. So I've been trying to do that. The issue is that the plants are somewhat visible from the street when they're in my yard, a no-no in my state. It's fine now since they're only a couple inches tall and I have a ton of vegetable plants so no one would ever guess it's cannabis, but is it going to create issues in the future if the plant is used to 10 plus hours of sun and I drop it down to 5 to 6 hours once the plant is bigger and it's more obvious that it's cannabis? Or does it not really matter because they're autos? So what do you think? 
Well, the first thing is it definitely matters because the amount of light that the plant gets is going to determine, you know, the size and the, and the, and the, the of the plant, the, the yield that you get and everything else. And what I, t you know, typically hear is recommended for auto flowering plants is 18 hours of light throughout the entire cycle. So you're actually at less than that with the 10 hours, but that's, you know, full sunlight, which is great. Uh, if anything you can do to maintain at least those 10 hours would be amazing and would definitely affect your yield in a greater way. If you can hide those plants with the vegetables as the vegetables grow bigger. So basically anything you, you can do to provide those plants with more light, even if it's artificial light, is going to ultimately result in a bigger yield. If you have to go bump it down to six or, or five hours of light per day, it will greatly affect the yield in the end. And I think Anything you can do to supplement that light, whether it be artificial light or a different spot with better camouflage, um, would, would increase your yields for sure. All right. So thank you, Ainsley. We hope that helps you out. Uh, let's move on to our friend D-O-C-G, who writes, greetings, Mike and Danny. Long time, long time uh, friend of the pod. Yes. Yeah, long time friend of the pod. So he writes, uh, I'm ready to purchase my new CMH grow light. Uh, there are so many fixtures out there, and the last thing I want to do is regret yet another bad purchase. So, I come to you for help. Are you in a position to provide me with reputable name brands, or are you able to direct me to a website or a store where I could feel confident I'm making a great buy? So, uh, what, what, do you, what would you recommend, Dan? Yeah, um, like I said, you know, uh, making the decision to choose a ceramic metal halide light is a, is a big one and a good one. Um, I don't typically love to like, you know, shout out different brands, but in this case, you know, I'm not like endorsed by any lighting company or anything. So I feel like I can give you a few ideas so that you're just not, you know, getting like a bunk light. Um, you know, I think number one on my list is Illuminar. Uh, they're one of the, you know, kind of, you know, lighting companies at the forefront of, of, of lighting for cannabis growing. Um, there's also Sun System. Um, in old standbys like Philips, you know, is a, is a company that's been around for many years and, and has quite a devoted, uh, technology, um, you know, department that, that builds these things. And, and so the Philips masters are amazing. Um, Protopia is a, a really good budget light. Um, you know, if you don't want to spend the Philips money or the Gavita money, Gavita is another one. Um, but also, you know, you have to measure, uh, that against the fact that, uh, you know, that's also Scott's miracle grow, um, you know, and everything that that entails. Um, but Gavita is a great, you know, great system, Illuminar, Sun System, Philips, Protopia, those probably the top five that I would recommend just off the top of my head. Um, I could think of a, a few others as well, but, uh, I think that's a good start. Yeah, that does sound like a good start. We hope that helps uh, DOCG out there with that purchase. You know, he also has a, a PS here on the uh, the email. He writes, uh, PS, you should have Danny master debate all over Zoom. That was an excellent segment, not only informative, but the innuendos are golden. So um, newer listeners may not know exactly what he's talking about, but uh, just a little, you know, backstory there. He's talking about a segment that we used to do on the show. And um, Dan and I, both mastered the art of debate and once you master debate it's really hard to stop uh you want to do it all the time because it's fun and you know it's rewarding so um we formed the master debate club for the show because we're both really good at it and and sometimes 
we used to master debate through an entire episode, uh, but for whatever reason, it, it rubbed people the wrong way. And, you know, I was personally a little chafed about that. But ultimately, we hung it up and finished doing that segment. And we still do it in private, but we haven't master debated on the show for quite a while now. And I, I don't think we're going to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, we can get in trouble for that, I think. <laughs> that explicit label on the show. <laughs> but thank yeah. you, DOCG. We appreciate the shout-out to the old silly things we used to do on the show. Yeah, say we do uh, one more question. Let's do it. Okay, Jeremiah. Jeremiah writes, uh, Hey, guys. So I'm in the process of building a RDWC system for my next grow. I'm wondering... Is a water chiller necessary for a successful grow? It'll only be a two to three plant grow with five gallon buckets with the res outside the two by four tent lit with a Mars Hydro TSL 2000 uh, watt light, 300 actual watts. I read a bunch of conflicting articles on this, so I'm just looking for your thoughts on the matter. What would you say to Jeremiah? Huh. Okay, so RWDC, uh, Recirculating Deep Water Culture. Um, which basically is a bucket filled with water with plant, a plant, an individual plant, uh, you know, uh, hanging above it, you know, for uh, lack of a better term, sort of in, in the lid of the bucket, there's a plant that, and the roots hang down and the plant goes up from there. And within that bucket is a nutrient solution that is being, you know, aerated and misted so that those roots are basically dangling in oxygenated nutrient solution. Um, it's a very, it's a very technical, you know, way to grow hydroponically without any medium, uh, because the roots are dangling down into that solution. And so, you know, the one thing I talk about with hydroponics is that you really have to have that nutrient solution dialed in. And what I mean by that is the temperature, the pH, the amount of nutrients that everything is so important. Your hydro system relies upon the reservoir and you monitoring that reservoir at all times. Okay. The benefits of hydroponics is it's like driving a Ferrari. You know, the plant has no, you know, dense soil to, to push through. So the roots are just growing exponentially. If they're treated properly, if the temperature and everything is perfect, those roots unencumbered just grow, you know, like monsters and the plant itself, you know, exhibits explosive rates of growth. I mean, you can practically watch the plant grow and that's when it's dialed in. When it's not dialed in, the plant can die very quickly. It's just important to remember that the temperature and everything has to be dialed in. And, and so your, to answer your question, if the temperature of the water in a reservoir that sits on your floor is going to be 80 degrees, then you need a, a water chiller you have to find a way to make that water colder. You have to bring it down to 70 degrees or 68 degrees or so um, and, and keep it oxygenated, okay? But if the temperature is naturally 70 degrees, then you're okay. So it's really a matter of your particular circumstances. So, you know, you don't have a, a heavy duty light over your system. You don't have a ballast um, there. The other thing is, is that the pumps that you put inside your, your reservoir also heat up that water. So these are all things that you have to consider. And this is why, you know, hydroponics requires a more technical sort of mind because 
you know, you really have to dial these things in and you have to maintain them at all times when you're not in the grow room as well. The question of whether you need a chiller or not is based on how how cold that water can be or how warm it gets. Um, so if the water's 80 degrees, you're going to get root rot or if it's any higher than that. If it's lower than, you know, 60 degrees, you're going to have, you know, shocked roots. So you really want to dial it in around 68, 70 degrees. If you can't do it without a chiller, you got to get a chiller. All right, there you go. If you can't do it without the chiller, get the chiller. Thank you, Jeremiah. Thank you to everybody who uh, took the time to write us and uh, ask a question. If you have a question that you'd like Dan to answer on this show, please do email us. Once again, that is uh, info at growbudyourself.com. You could also get us on the socials. He's at Danny Danko. I'm at Mike Check G. The show is at Grow Bud Yourself. So uh, many ways to reach out, but please do reach out. Uh, what do you say we take a little break, come back and put a bow on it? Let's do it. All right. Definitely want to say thank you to our sponsors of the show, Excelsior Extracts. Check them out on Instagram. Definitely check out the Relief Rub THC-infused topical pain cream. It's an incredible product uh, that really works, as well as many other products. Uh, A vast array of different products that they make from cannabis so check them out, Excelsior Extracts on Instagram. Uh, also want to thank Vapor.com, uh, where you can purchase all your vaporizer accessories, vapor kits, everything you need uh, to vaporize, as well as uh, CBD products and a lot of other stuff. Check them out at Vapor.com. We have a special code uh, for the podcast, GBY. will get you 15% off anything on Vapor.com. So when you're checking out, you use code GBY. It takes 15% off anything. That includes the Puffco Peak and all the other amazing vaporization products, uh, rolling papers, everything else. So thank you to Vapor.com. Thank you to Excelsior Extracts. We'll be back to wrap it up. All right. So I think we've reached that point in the show where we wrap it up. It is time. It's time to wrap up episode five. Wow. A great Great episode. episode. Yes. Yeah. I want to thank uh, John who came on uh, to give away the grow tent kit from Sweet Leaf Nutrients. Uh, Nima, of course, from Cannabiotics for the amazing interview. Uh, All all of you guys, the listeners, for sending in questions and participating in our Patreon. And we really, truly appreciate it. Uh, We're going to be putting all kinds of uh, exclusive content on there. Uh, we've already got a couple of uh, videos from the show where you can actually see, uh, you know, a little bit of behind the scenes stuff and extra stuff from the show. Uh, we've got more of that, including a Jorge video uh, from uh, episode three. And uh, I think maybe one from Jen too, right, Mike? Yeah, Jen. And then eventually uh, probably something from Nima. And also right. you, we have some pretty nice uh, audio coming up, right? Right. Yeah. I have some audio that I took. Uh, I have ChemDog and I um, at uh, uh, the New England Cannabis Convention from 2018. Uh, and it's about an hour long discussion that we talk about a lot of different things, grow techniques and strains and everything else. We're going to pop that up there on Patreon this week as well. And definitely, you know, like if you guys want to participate, you know, in the culture of the show, uh, check out our Patreon page, which is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Danny Danko. Uh, you can sign up there for all kinds of exclusive content. And if you sign up at the $25 level, you get a free signed copy of my book. 
So nice. if you're interested in that, uh, yeah. that's one way to get it. And also, Patreon people, uh, this is uh, close to your last chance to participate in our pot quiz. So if you want to uh, to be on Grow Bud Yourself and get quizzed and possibly win amazing prizes, uh, go on to Patreon, comment under any of the posts there, and uh, tell us that you want to get pot quizzed. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Shout out Chad and uh, THC Ruthless. <laughs> uh, but anyways, there. Thank you, and uh, I think let's say we put this one in the books. 